The Spy War, How the CIA Secretly Helps Ukraine Fight Putin Michael Schwartz For more than a decade, the United States has nurtured a secret intelligence partnership with Ukraine that is now critical for both countries encountering Russia. Nestled in a dense forest, the Ukrainian military base appears abandoned and destroyed, its command center a burned-out husk, a casualty of a Russian missile barrage early in the war. But that is above ground. Not far away, a discreet passageway descends to a subterranean bunker where teams of Ukrainian soldiers track Russian spy satellites and eavesdrop on conversations between Russian commanders. On one screen, a red line followed the route of an explosive drone threading through Russian air defenses from a point in central Ukraine to a target in the Russian city of Rostov. The underground bunker, built to replace the destroyed command center in the months after Russia's invasion, is a secret nerve center of Ukraine's military. There is also one more secret, the base is almost fully financed, and partly equipped, by the CIA. 110%, General Seriai Dvoretsky, a top intelligence commander, said in an interview at the base. Now entering the third year of a war that has claimed hundreds of thousands of lives, the intelligence partnership between Washington and Kiev is a linchpin of Ukraine's ability to defend itself. The CIA and other American intelligence agencies provide intelligence for targeted missile strikes, track Russian troop movements, and help support spy networks. But the partnership is no wartime creation, nor is Ukraine the only beneficiary. It took root a decade ago, coming together in fits and starts under three very different U.S. presidents, pushed forward by key individuals who often took daring risks. It has transformed Ukraine, whose intelligence agencies were long seen as thoroughly compromised by Russia, into one of Washington's most important intelligence partners against the Kremlin today. The listening post in the Ukrainian forest is part of a CIA-supported network of spy bases constructed in the past eight years that includes 12 secret locations along the Russian border. Before the war, the Ukrainians proved themselves to the Americans by collecting intercepts that helped prove Russia's involvement in the 2014 downing of a commercial jetliner, Malaysia Airlines Flight 17. The Ukrainians also helped the Americans go after the Russian operatives who meddled in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Around 2016, the CIA began training an elite Ukrainian commando force, known as Unit 2245, which captured Russian drones and communications gear so that CIA technicians could reverse-engineer them and crack Moscow's encryption systems. One officer in the unit was Kirill Obudinov, now the general leading Ukraine's military intelligence. And the CIA also helped train a new generation of Ukrainian spies who operated inside Russia, across Europe, and in Cuba and other places where the Russians have a large presence. The relationship is so ingrained that CIA officers remained at a remote location in western Ukraine when the Biden administration evacuated U.S. personnel in the weeks before Russia invaded in February 2022. During the invasion, the officers relayed critical intelligence, including where Russia was planning strikes and which weapons systems they would use. Without them, there would have been no way for us to resist the Russians or to beat them, said Ivan Bakanov, who was then head of Ukraine's domestic intelligence agency, the SBU. The details of this intelligence partnership, many of which are being disclosed by the New York Times for the first time, have been a closely guarded secret for a decade. 
In more than 200 interviews, current and former officials in Ukraine, the United States and Europe described a partnership that nearly foundered for mutual distrust before it steadily expanded, turning Ukraine into an intelligence-gathering hub that intercepted more Russian communications than the CIA station in Kiev could initially handle. Many of the officials spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss intelligence and matters of sensitive diplomacy. Now these intelligence networks are more important than ever, as Russia is on the offensive and Ukraine is more dependent on sabotage and long-range missile strikes that require spies far behind enemy lines. And they are increasingly at risk, if Republicans in Congress end military funding to Kiev, the CIA may have to scale back. To try to reassure Ukrainian leaders, William J. Burns, the CIA director, made a secret visit to Ukraine last Thursday, his tenth visit since the invasion. From the outset, a shared adversary, President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia, brought the CIA and its Ukrainian partners together. Obsessed with losing Ukraine to the West, Mr. Putin had regularly interfered in Ukraine's political system, handpicking leaders he believed would keep Ukraine within Russia's orbit, yet each time it backfired, driving protesters into the streets. Mr. Putin has long blamed Western intelligence agencies for manipulating Kiev and sowing anti-Russia sentiment in Ukraine. Toward the end of 2021, according to a senior European official, Mr. Putin was weighing whether to launch his full-scale invasion when he met with the head of one of Russia's main spy services, who told him that the CIA, together with Britain's MI6, were controlling Ukraine and turning it into a beachhead for operations against Moscow. But the Times investigation found that Mr. Putin and his advisers misread a critical dynamic. The CIA didn't push its way into Ukraine. U.S. officials were often reluctant to fully engage, fearing that Ukrainian officials could not be trusted and worrying about provoking the Kremlin. Yet a tight circle of Ukrainian intelligence officials assiduously courted the CIA and gradually made themselves vital to the Americans. In 2015, General Valery Kondrashiak, then Ukraine's head of military intelligence, arrived at a meeting with the CIA's deputy station chief and without warning handed over a stack of top-secret files. That initial tranche contained secrets about the Russian Navy's northern fleet, including detailed information about the latest Russian nuclear submarine designs. Before long, teams of CIA officers were regularly leaving his office with backpacks full of documents. We understood that we needed to create the conditions of trust, General Kondrashiak said. As the partnership deepened after 2016, the Ukrainians became impatient with what they considered Washington's undue caution and began staging assassinations and other lethal operations, which violated the terms the White House thought the Ukrainians had agreed to. Infuriated, officials in Washington threatened to cut off support, but they never did. The relationships only got stronger and stronger because both sides saw value in it, and the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, our station there, the operation out of Ukraine, became the best source of information, signals and everything else, on Russia, said a former senior American official. We couldn't get enough of it. This is the untold story of how it all happened. A Cautious Beginning the CIA's partnership in Ukraine can be traced back to two phone calls on the night of February 24, 2014, eight years to the day before Russia's full-scale invasion. Millions of Ukrainians had just overrun the country's pro-Kremlin government and the president, Viktor Yanukovych, and his spy chiefs, had fled to Russia. 
In the tumult, a fragile pro-Western government quickly took power. The government's new spy chief, Valentin Nalavichenko, arrived at the headquarters of the Domestic Intelligence Agency and found a pile of smoldering documents in the courtyard. Inside, many of the computers had been wiped or were infected with Russian malware. It was empty. No lights. No leadership. Nobody was there, Mr. Nalavichenko said in an interview. He went to an office and called the CIA station chief and the local head of MI6. It was near midnight, but he summoned them to the building, asked for help in rebuilding the agency from the ground up, and proposed a three-way partnership. That's how it all started, Mr. Nalavichenko said. The situation quickly became more dangerous. Mr. Putin seized Crimea. His agents fomented separatist rebellions that would become a war in the country's east. Ukraine was on war footing, and Mr. Nalavichenko appealed to the CIA for overhead imagery and other intelligence to help defend its territory. With violence escalating, an unmarked U.S. government plane touched down at an airport in Kiev carrying John O. Brennan, then the director of the CIA. He told Mr. Nalavichenko that the CIA was interested in developing a relationship but only at a pace the agency was comfortable with, according to U.S. and Ukrainian officials. To the CIA, the unknown question was how long Mr. Nalavichenko and the pro-Western government would be around. The CIA had been burned before in Ukraine. Following the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991, Ukraine gained independence and then veered between competing political forces, those that wanted to remain close to Moscow and those that wanted to align with the West. During a previous stint as spy chief, Mr. Nalavichenko started a similar partnership with the CIA, which dissolved when the country swung back toward Russia. Now Mr. Brennan explained that to unlock CIA assistance, the Ukrainians had to prove that they could provide intelligence of value to the Americans. They also needed to purge Russian spies, the domestic spy agency, the SBU, was riddled with them. Case in point, the Russians quickly learned about Mr. Brennan's supposedly secret visit. The Kremlin's propaganda outlets published a photoshopped image of the CIA director wearing a clown wig and makeup. Mr. Brennan returned to Washington, where advisors to President Barack Obama were deeply concerned about provoking Moscow. The White House crafted secret rules that infuriated the Ukrainians and that some inside the CIA thought of as handcuffs. The rules barred intelligence agencies from providing any support to Ukraine that could be reasonably expected to have lethal consequences. The result was a delicate balancing act. The CIA was supposed to strengthen Ukraine's intelligence agencies without provoking the Russians. The red lines were never precisely clear, which created a persistent tension in the partnership. In Kiev, Mr. Nalavichenko picked a longtime aide, General Kondrashiak, to serve as head of counterintelligence, and they created a new paramilitary unit that was deployed behind enemy lines to conduct operations and gather intelligence that the CIA or MI6 would not provide to them. Known as the Fifth Directorate, this unit would be filled with officers born after Ukraine gained independence. They had no connection with Russia, General Kondrashiak said. They didn't even know what the Soviet Union was. That summer, Malaysia Airlines Flight 17, flying from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur, blew up in midair and crashed in eastern Ukraine, killing nearly 300 passengers and crew. 
The fifth directorate produced telephone intercepts and other intelligence within hours of the crash that quickly placed responsibility on Russian-backed separatists. The CIA was impressed and made its first meaningful commitment by providing secure communications gear and specialized training to members of the fifth directorate and two other elite units. The Ukrainians wanted fish and we, for policy reasons, couldn't deliver that fish, said a former U.S. official, referring to intelligence that could help them battle the Russians. But we were happy to teach them how to fish and deliver fly-fishing equipment. A Secret Santa In the summer of 2015, Ukraine's president, Petro Poroshenko, shook up the domestic service and installed an ally to replace Mr. Nalavechenko, the CIA's trusted partner. But the change created an opportunity elsewhere. In the reshuffle, General Kondrashyuk was appointed as the head of the country's military intelligence agency, known as the HUR, where years earlier he had started his career. It would be an early example of how personal ties, more than policy shifts, would deepen the CIA's involvement in Ukraine. Unlike the domestic agency, the HUR had the authority to collect intelligence outside the country, including in Russia. But the Americans had seen little value in cultivating the agency because it wasn't producing any intelligence of value on the Russians and because it was seen as a bastion of Russian sympathizers. Trying to build trust, General Kondrashyuk arranged a meeting with his American counterpart at the Defense Intelligence Agency and handed over a stack of secret Russian documents. But senior DIA officials were suspicious and discouraged building closer ties. The general needed to find a more willing partner. Months earlier, while still with the domestic agency, General Kondrashyuk visited the CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. In those meetings, he met a CIA officer with a jolly demeanor and a bushy beard who had been tapped to become the next station chief in Kiev. After a long day of meetings, the CIA took General Kondrashyuk to a Washington Capitals hockey match, where he and the incoming station chief sat in a luxury box and loudly booed Alex Ovechkin, the team's star player from Russia. The station chief had not yet arrived when General Kondrashyuk handed over to the CIA the secret documents about the Russian Navy. There's more where this came from, he promised, and the documents were sent off to analysts in Langley. The analysts concluded the documents were authentic, and after the station chief arrived in Kiev, the CIA became General Kondrashyuk's primary partner. General Kondrashyuk knew he needed the CIA to strengthen his own agency. The CIA thought the general might be able to help Langley, too. It struggled to recruit spies inside Russia because its case officers were under heavy surveillance. For a Russian, allowing oneself to be recruited by an American is to commit the absolute, ultimate in treachery and treason, General Kondrashyuk said. But for a Russian to be recruited by a Ukrainian, it's just friends talking over a beer. The new station chief began regularly visiting General Kondrashyuk, whose office was decorated with an aquarium where yellow and blue fish, the national colors of Ukraine, swam circles around a model of a sunken Russian submarine. The two men became close, which drove the relationship between the two agencies, and the Ukrainians gave the new station chief an affectionate nickname, Santa Claus. In January 2016, General Kondrashyuk flew to Washington for meetings at Scattergood, an estate on the CIA campus in Virginia where the agency often fates visiting dignitaries. 
the agency agreed to help the HUR modernize and to improve its ability to intercept Russian military communications. In exchange, General Kondrashyuk agreed to share all of the raw intelligence with the Americans. Now the partnership was real. Operation Goldfish Today, the narrow road leading to the secret base is framed by minefields, seated as a line of defense in the weeks after Russia's invasion. The Russian missiles that hit the base had seemingly shut it down, but just weeks later, the Ukrainians returned. With money and equipment provided by the CIA, crews under General Dvoretsky's command began to rebuild, but underground. To avoid detection, they only worked at night and when Russian spy satellites were not overhead. Workers also parked their cars a distance away from the construction site. In the bunker, General Dvoretsky pointed to communications equipment and large computer servers, some of which were financed by the CIA. He said his teams were using the base to hack into the Russian military's secure communications networks. This is the thing that breaks into satellites and decodes secret conversations, General Dvoretsky told a Times journalist on a tour, adding that they were hacking into spy satellites from China and Belarus, too. Another officer placed two recently produced maps on a table as evidence of how Ukraine is tracking Russian activity around the world. The first showed the overhead routes of Russian spy satellites traveling over central Ukraine. The second showed how Russian spy satellites are passing over strategic military installations, including a nuclear weapons facility, in the eastern and central United States. The CIA began sending equipment in 2016 after the pivotal meeting at Scattergood, General Dvoretsky said, providing encrypted radios and devices for intercepting secret enemy communications. Beyond the base, the CIA also oversaw a training program carried out in two European cities to teach Ukrainian intelligence officers how to convincingly assume fake personas and steal secrets in Russia and other countries that are adept at rooting out spies. The program was called Operation Goldfish, which derived from a joke about a Russian-speaking goldfish who offers two Estonians wishes in exchange for its freedom. The punchline was that one of the Estonians bashed the fish's head with a rock, explaining that anything speaking Russian could not be trusted. The Operation Goldfish officers were soon deployed to 12 newly built, forward operating bases constructed along the Russian border. From each base, General Kondrashyuk said, the Ukrainian officers ran networks of agents who gathered intelligence inside Russia. CIA officers installed equipment at the bases to help gather intelligence and also identified some of the most skilled Ukrainian graduates of the Operation Goldfish program, working with them to approach potential Russian sources. These graduates then trained sleeper agents on Ukrainian territory meant to launch guerrilla operations in case of occupation. It can often take years for the CIA to develop enough trust in a foreign agency to begin conducting joint operations. With the Ukrainians, it had taken less than six months. The new partnership started producing so much raw intelligence about Russia that it had to be shipped to Langley for processing. But the CIA did have red lines. It wouldn't help the Ukrainians conduct offensive lethal operations. We made a distinction between intelligence collection operations and things that go boom, a former senior U.S. official said. It was a distinction that grated on the Ukrainians. First, General Kondrashyuk was annoyed when the Americans refused to provide satellite images from inside Russia. 
Soon after, he requested CIA assistance in planning a clandestine mission to send HUR commandos into Russia to plant explosive devices at train depots used by the Russian military. If the Russian military sought to take more Ukrainian territory, Ukrainians could detonate the explosives to slow the Russian advance. When the station chief briefed his superiors, they lost their minds, as one former official put it. Mr. Brennan, the CIA director, called General Kondrashiak to make certain that mission was cancelled and that Ukraine abided by the red lines forbidding lethal operations. General Kondrashiak cancelled the mission, but he also took a different lesson. Going forward, we work to not have discussions about these things with your guys, he said. Late that summer, Ukrainian spies discovered that Russian forces were deploying attack helicopters at an airfield on the Russian-occupied Crimean Peninsula, possibly to stage a surprise attack. General Kondrashiak decided to send a team into Crimea to plant explosives at the airfield so they could be detonated if Russia moved to attack. This time, he didn't ask the CIA for permission. He turned to Unit 2245, the commando force that received specialized military training from the CIA's elite paramilitary group, known as the Ground Department. The intent of the training was to teach defensive techniques, but CIA officers understood that without their knowledge the Ukrainians could use the same techniques in offensive lethal operations. At the time, the future head of Ukraine's military intelligence agency, General Budinov, was a rising star in Unit 2245. He was known for daring operations behind enemy lines and had deep ties to the CIA. The agency had trained him and also taken the extraordinary step of sending him for rehabilitation to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Maryland after he was shot in the right arm during fighting in the Donbass. Disguised in Russian uniforms, the NLT, Colonel Budinov led commandos across a narrow gulf in inflatable speedboats, landing at night in Crimea. But an elite Russian commando unit was waiting for them. The Ukrainians fought back, killing several Russian fighters, including the son of a general, before retreating to the shoreline, plunging into the sea and swimming for hours to Ukrainian-controlled territory. It was a disaster. In a public address, President Putin accused the Ukrainians of plotting a terrorist attack and promised to avenge the deaths of the Russian fighters. There is no doubt that we will not let these things pass, he said. In Washington, the Obama White House was livid. Joseph R. Biden Jr., then the vice president and the champion of assistance to Ukraine, called Ukraine's president to angrily complain. It causes a gigantic problem, Mr. Biden said in the call, a recording of which was leaked and published online. All I'm telling you as a friend is that my making arguments here is a hell of a lot harder now. Some of Mr. Obama's advisors wanted to shut the CIA program down, but Mr. Brennan persuaded them that doing so would be self-defeating, given the relationship was starting to produce intelligence on the Russians as the CIA was investigating Russian election meddling. Mr. Brennan got on the phone with General Kondrashiak to again emphasize the red lines. The general was upset. This is our country, he responded, according to a colleague. It's our war and we've got to fight. The blowback from Washington cost General Kondrashiak his job. But Ukraine didn't back down. 
One day after General Kondrashiak was removed, a mysterious explosion in the Russian-occupied city of Donetsk, in eastern Ukraine, ripped through an elevator carrying a senior Russian separatist commander named Arsen Pavlov, known by his nom de guerre, Motorola. The CIA soon learned that the assassins were members of the 5th Directorate, the spy group that received CIA training. Ukraine's domestic intelligence agency had even handed out commemorative patches to those involved, each one stitched with the word lift, the British term for an elevator. Again, some of Mr. Obama's advisors were furious, but they were lame ducks, the presidential election pitting Donald J. Trump against Hillary Rodham Clinton was three weeks away, and the assassinations continued. A team of Ukrainian agents set up an unmanned, shoulder-fired rocket launcher in a building in the occupied territories. It was directly across from the office of a rebel commander named Mikhail Tolstik, better known as Givy. Using a remote trigger, they fired the launcher as soon as Givy entered his office, killing him, according to U.S. and Ukrainian officials. A shadow war was now in overdrive. The Russians used a car bomb to assassinate the head of Unit 2245, the elite Ukrainian commando force. The commander, Colonel Maxim Shapovil, was on his way to meeting with CIA officers in Kiev when his car exploded. At the colonel's wake, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, stood in mourning beside the CIA station chief. Later, CIA officers and their Ukrainian counterparts toasted Colonel Shapovil with whiskey shots. For all of us, General Kondrashiak said, it was a blow. Tiptoeing around Trump The election of Mr. Trump in November 2016 put the Ukrainians and their CIA partners on edge. Mr. Trump praised Mr. Putin and dismissed Russia's role in election interference. He was suspicious of Ukraine and later tried to pressure its president, Volodymyr Zelensky, to investigate his Democratic rival, Mr. Biden, resulting in Mr. Trump's first impeachment. But whatever Mr. Trump said and did, his administration often went in the other direction. This is because Mr. Trump had put Russia hawks in key positions, including Mike Pompeo as CIA director and John Bolton as national security adviser. They visited Kiev to underline their full support for the secret partnership, which expanded to include more specialized training programs and the building of additional secret bases. The base in the forest grew to include a new command center and barracks, and swelled from 80 to 800 Ukrainian intelligence officers. Preventing Russia from interfering in future U.S. elections was a top CIA priority during this period, and Ukrainian and American intelligence officers joined forces to probe the computer systems of Russia's intelligence agencies to identify operatives trying to manipulate voters. In one joint operation, a HUR team duped an officer from Russia's military intelligence service into providing information that allowed the CIA to connect Russia's government to the so-called Fancy Bear hacking group, which had been linked to election interference efforts in a number of countries. General Budinov, whom Mr. Zelensky tapped to lead the HUR in 2020, said of the partnership, it only strengthened. It grew systematically. The cooperation expanded to additional spheres and became more large-scale. The relationship was so successful that the CIA wanted to replicate it with other European intelligence services that shared a focus in countering Russia. The head of Russia House, the CIA department overseeing operations against Russia, organized a secret meeting at The Hague. 
There, representatives from the CIA, Britain's MI6, the HUR, the Dutch Service, a critical intelligence ally, and other agencies agreed to start pooling together more of their intelligence on Russia. The result was a secret coalition against Russia, and the Ukrainians were vital members of it. March to War In March 2021, the Russian military started massing troops along the border with Ukraine. As the months passed and more troops encircled the country, the question was whether Mr. Putin was making a feint or preparing for war. That November, and in the weeks that followed, the CIA and MI6 delivered a unified message to their Ukrainian partners, Russia was, preparing for a full-scale invasion to decapitate the government and install a puppet in Kiev who would do the Kremlin's bidding. U.S. and British intelligence agencies had intercepts that Ukrainian intelligence agencies did not have access to, according to U.S. officials. The new intelligence listed the names of Ukrainian officials whom the Russians were planning to kill or capture, as well as the Ukrainians the Kremlin hoped to install in power. President Zelensky and some of his top advisors appeared unconvinced, even after Mr. Burns, the CIA director, rushed to Kiev in January 2022 to brief them. As the Russian invasion neared, CIA and MI6 officers made final visits in Kiev with their Ukrainian peers. One of the M-16 officers teared up in front of the Ukrainians, out of concern that the Russians would kill them. At Mr. Burns's urging, a small group of CIA officers were exempted from the broader U.S. evacuation and were relocated to a hotel complex in western Ukraine. They didn't want to desert their partners. No endgame after Mr. Putin launched the invasion on February 24, 2022, the CIA officers at the hotel were the only U.S. government presence on the ground. Every day at the hotel, they met with their Ukrainian contacts to pass information. The old handcuffs were off, and the Biden White House authorized spy agencies to provide intelligence support for lethal operations against Russian forces on Ukrainian soil. Often, the CIA briefings contained shockingly specific details. On March 3, 2022, the eighth day of the war, the CIA team gave a precise overview of Russian plans for the coming two weeks. The Russians would open a humanitarian corridor out of the besieged city of Mariupol that same day, and then open fire on the Ukrainians who used it. The Russians planned to encircle the strategic port city of Odessa, according to the CIA, but a storm delayed the assault and the Russians never took the city. Then, on March 10, the Russians intended to bombard six Ukrainian cities and had already entered coordinates into cruise missiles for those strikes. The Russians also were trying to assassinate top Ukrainian officials, including Mr. Zelensky. In at least one case, the CIA shared intelligence with Ukraine's domestic agency that helped disrupt a plot against the president, according to a senior Ukrainian official. When the Russian assault on Kiev had stalled, the CIA station chief rejoiced and told his Ukrainian counterparts that they were punching the Russians in the face, according to a Ukrainian officer who was in the room. Within weeks, the CIA had returned to Kiev, and the agency sent in scores of new officers to help the Ukrainians. A senior U.S. official said of the CIA's sizable presence, are they pulling triggers? No. Are they helping with targeting? Absolutely. Some of the CIA officers were deployed to Ukrainian bases. 
They reviewed lists of potential Russian targets that the Ukrainians were preparing to strike, comparing the information that the Ukrainians had with U.S. intelligence to ensure that it was accurate. Before the invasion, the CIA and MI6 had trained their Ukrainian counterparts on recruiting sources and building clandestine and partisan networks. In the southern Kherson region, which was occupied by Russia in the first weeks of the war, those partisan networks sprang into action, according to General Kondrashyuk, assassinating local collaborators and helping Ukrainian forces target Russian positions. In July 2022, Ukrainian spies saw Russian convoys preparing to cross a strategic bridge across the Dnipro River and notified MI6. British and American intelligence officers then quickly verified the Ukrainian intelligence using real-time satellite imagery. MI6 relayed the confirmation, and the Ukrainian military opened fire with rockets, destroying the convoys. At the underground bunker, General Dvoretsky said a German anti-aircraft system now defends against Russian attacks. An air filtration system guards against chemical weapons and a dedicated power system is available if the power grid goes down. The question that some Ukrainian intelligence officers are now asking their American counterparts, as Republicans in the House weigh whether to cut off billions of dollars in aid, is whether the CIA will abandon them. It happened in Afghanistan before, and now it's going to happen in Ukraine, a senior Ukrainian officer said. Referring to Mr. Burns's visit to Kyiv last week, a CIA official said, We have demonstrated a clear commitment to Ukraine over many years and this visit was another strong signal that the U.S. commitment will continue. The CIA and the HUR have built two other secret bases to intercept Russian communications and combined with the 12 forward operating bases, which General Kondrashyuk says are still operational, the HUR now collects and produces more intelligence than at any time in the war, much of which it shares with the CIA. You can't get information like this anywhere, except here and now, General Dvoretsky said. Adam Entis is a Washington-based investigative correspondent and a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner. Before joining the Washington Bureau of the Times, he covered intelligence, national security and foreign policy for The New Yorker magazine, The Washington Post and The Wall Street Journal. More about Adam Entis, https colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash by slash Adam Entis. Michael Schwartz is an investigative reporter with the International Desk. With the Times since 2006, he previously covered the countries of the former Soviet Union from Moscow and was a lead reporter on a team that won the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for articles about Russian intelligence operations. More about Michael Schwartz, https colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash by slash Michael dash schwartz. Our coverage of the war in Ukraine. News and analysis. As the war in Ukraine enters its third year, leaders in Kyiv are trying to find a new path forward amid ferocious Russian assaults while facing a series of daunting unknowns and hard choices. HTTPS slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 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 world slash Europe slash lessons choices war in Ukraine HTML action equals select candy piggy type equals article and state equals default and module equals style and Russia Ukraine and variant equals show andri. Senator Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, traveled to Ukraine for a visit that aimed to show American solidarity with a Democratic ally under attack and to increase the pressure on Republicans to quit opposing additional U.S. aid. 
Russian forces launched multiple attacks around the southern Ukrainian village of Robotyne, targeting land hard won by Ukraine in a rare success of its counteroffensive in 2023. Read more. A long fight. On the second anniversary of Russia's invasion, many Ukrainian citizens are taking a longer view of the war, pinpointing the Maidan uprising of 2014 as the start of a 10-year conflict with their adversary. Sending a message Two years since the start of the war in Ukraine, President Vladimir Putin of Russia has fully embraced the image of an unpredictable strongman ready to escalate his conflict with the West. Wounded soldiers. The number of Russian troops with amputated limbs or serious injuries is believed to be staggering. When these veterans return home, they face a patchwork system of treatment and, often, efforts to keep them out of the public eye. HTTPS slash slash WWW New York Times com slash 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 world slash Europe slash Russia soldiers Ukraine WRHTML action equals Celic candy piggy type equals article and state equals default and module equals style and Russia Ukraine and variant equals show andri. Creative use of weapons. Ukraine's use of a Patriot missile to take down a plane in January is an example of how novel battlefield tactics can be fraught with peril as well as promise. HTTPS slash slash WWW New York Times com slash 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 politics slash Ukraine Russia Patriot missile HTML action equals Celic candy piggy type equals article and state equals default and module equals style and Russia Ukraine and variant equals show Andrija. How we verify our reporting. Our team of visual journalists analyzes satellite images, photographs, videos, and radio transmissions to independently confirm troop movements and other details. We monitor and authenticate reports on social media, corroborating these with eyewitness accounts and interviews. Read more about our reporting efforts, https slash slash www new york times com slash 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 world slash europe slash ukraine wrj or nali small html action equals celic candy piggy type equals article and state equals default and module equals style and russia ukraine and variant equals showa.